Welcome to Florida Matters. I am Steve Newborn. Happy New Year to everybody out there. We appreciate you listening. The next three months will be busy in Tallahassee as the Florida legislature embarks on its annual session. There's sure to be no shortage of fireworks at the state capitol. Contentious issues such as a Texas-style abortion ban, election reforms, and polarizing debates over masking up in the age of Omicron and critical race theory are sure to heat up. And all this is sure to be complemented by ramped-up electioneering and rhetoric as Governor DeSantis and Senator Marco Rubio are running to keep their seats. So we're going to ring in the new year with a look at some of the biggest issues we can expect to see in the next several months. Joining us from our sister station, WFSU in Tallahassee, is James Call. He's the Capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat and is with the USA Today Network Florida Capitol Bureau. Welcome to Florida Matters. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Well, James, I'd like to ask you, you know, what, what you think are some of the biggest, most important and far-reaching bills we can see this session in Tallahassee. But first, I want to ask you about the uh, the abortion bill, similar to the one that has been signed into law in Texas, has been filed in Florida by Republican Representative Webster Barnaby. It would ban most abortions in the state and would allow lawsuits against doctors who violate it. Now, we've seen this before. Similar bills have died in Tallahassee in recent years. But do you believe that the passage of the Texas bill and the subsequent refusal by the Supreme Court to act on it might give it momentum for passing this year? Not this particular bill, but abortion will be a very intense issue this spring, this January in Tallahassee. With the Supreme Court is prime to blunt or even overturn Roe v. Wade. And Florida, you know, there, there, there's a movement in Florida that has been very active in trying to restrict abortion rights uh, active for a very long time. This will continue to be an issue. It's a big fundraising issue for for both parties, for both sides. It is also an issue that excites the base of both parties for different reasons. There is a possibility that the Florida legislature could pass what I believe is called a snapback provision if the Supreme Court were to overturn Roe v. Wade in June after the lawmakers have adjourned from Tallahassee, that this law could go into effect. There is a possibility for that. But keep in mind, incoming Senate President Kathleen Pasadoma, she she takes control of the Florida Senate in November after the election, and she has not spoken in favor of such bills. And she is not necessarily regarded as someone who is seeking to overturn Roe v. Wade. So keep your eye on Senator Pasadomo and um, and buckle your seatbelt because this is going to be an intense abortion battle. Well, our seatbelts are getting buckled. You know, for those who aren't familiar with the process, if the Senate president, like you were just saying, doesn't want a bill to come up, do they have the power unilaterally to, to block it themselves? Yes and no. You have your formal arrangement, your, your committee hearings and debates, and then you have your informal relations. Now, the incoming Senate president sets the agenda for the Senate. She has, or he or she, the, the president, has uh, built coalitions to achieve that office, that position, meaning that there's a lot of IOUs out there and that there are a lot of... Uh, you know, similar thinking out there. So, I mean, the Senate president's not going to say, no, that's not going to happen. 
but, you know, the Senate president can express concerns about different aspects of, uh, you know, rights being infringed upon or things being unconstitutional, which would mean that it's a waste of the lawmaker's time to even go down that road and, you know, make their intentions known. And, and that shapes the debate. Also, remember, uh, not only in setting the agenda, the Senate president makes all the committee appointments and the Senate president or designee has the ability to uh, sit in on any Senate committee to be the deciding vote if necessary. So there's a lot of power, but it's the power of persuasion, not necessarily the power of rules. You know, I'd like to ask you about the power of the occupant in Mar-a-Lago and, and how much sway he has over the current crop of Republicans in Tallahassee. Uh, we're seeing basically this polarization on both sides of the aisle, and the Republicans who control Florida legislature seem to be drifting more to the right. Do you see that continuing, especially in an election year like we have coming up for governor and senator? Do, do you see the, the rightward drift is going to be reflected in some of the bills that will be passed, or is Florida kind of moderate, and they moderate that, that, that kind of persuasion from the right? I think the Florida Republican Party is more moderate than the National Republican Party, or at least the party in Washington, the Republican Party in Washington. I, I think the Florida Republican Party is more moderate. You know, keep in mind that the, uh, the Florida Republican Party has built this incredible political machine. Uh, they, they are like the Alabama of politics, uh, University of Alabama football politics. They, the machine that they have built over the last generation, the last 30 years, uh, it does an incredible job and have left the Democrats in total disarray. It has a sense of where the people of Florida are. Now, the, the policies, you know, I mean, we have the nickname as the gunshine state because of our looseness of uh, gun regulations. Uh, we are a low-tax state that you know, refuses to uh, you know, pay some, some much-needed bills. So, yes, there is the rightward drift. How far they go to the right, it depends on how, how concerned they are about the upcoming election. I mean, we, we have, you know, what we have going on in Tallahassee this spring is that we have this uh, uh, redistricting period where, you know, it's, it's a redistricting session in the sense that, you know, all the political boundaries for the Florida legislature are being redrawn. Everybody here in Tallahassee will be on the November ballot. So everybody's up for, for re-election. You have the hot-button issue of abortion with the Texas law going before the, tex, uh, before the U.S. Supreme Court and that decision coming down in June. So that's going to play a factor in the midterm election. You have continued gun violence and mass shootings you know, across the country and forces in Florida wanting to loosen gun regulation. So that's, that's a hot button issue. And then a $100 billion budget. Now, a lot of that money, more than $10.3 billion of that money is going to be, you know, federal money from, from, from Washington. But the, the point is... Which you won't hear from them, by the way. Right. But the point is, money is not a problem. You know, so, so Governor DeSantis can propose all kinds of spending packages using Joe Biden's checkbook you know, for, for the re-election campaign. Forces on both sides can gin up their bases on, on abortion rights or constitutional carry or open carry of firearms, and it's going to be a chaotic mess. How does Donald Trump play into all of this? Mm -hmm. That 
that that it remains to be seen. But you know, th- think about this: Rome was the greatest thing ever until it was no more. At some point, Governor DeSantis's ambitions and Donald Trump's ambitions are going to collide, and it is at that moment that uh, we find out where the Republican Party of Florida stands. <laughs> It's interesting. I'd like to read a quote from Jimmy Petronas, the chief financial officer. He says, quote, for the upcoming session, woke businesses will come under fire. Republicans traditionally felt they couldn't weigh in on the activities of big businesses. But those companies are now adopting liberal policies through their human resources department departments and social media accounts. You know, this is kind of new for the Republicans going after the Chamber of Commerce types who have historically been one of their biggest allies, right? Right. So what what is going on with this Republican Party, uh, you know, like with the Petronas quote, I, I wonder if that's just smoke or if that is a signal if, um, I mean, is it campaign noise or is it actually a signal from within the Republican Party that there's a division, that part of the Republican Party base is breaking away from their longtime allies in the business community. It, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, that's kind of playing out on a national basis here. Uh, but there's, there's no real movement to create a third party, right? Uh, I know there's mm-hmm. been kind of movements to it. Um, they're really, we're so focused, the, the system is so geared towards having two traditional parties facing each other. So it, it, we're going to have battles within the parties rather than the middle ground come to a third party, do you believe? This is an interesting tangent. Because hmm. uh, look, look at the Florida Democratic Party. Look at the young Democrats in the Florida House. Uh, I'm going to sound like an old man here with a Beatles reference. But, uh, you know, you take, you take what, uh, what the Beatles were writing about in the late 60s with stuff like uh, Blackbird, uh, Power to the People, uh, John Lennon's Woman. And you see, you see that is the uh, Florida Democratic Party. You know, women and African Americans are forming the base of the Democratic Party in Florida, and they are producing leaders who are quite thoughtful, skillful, and articulate. I call to mind uh, Representative Ramon Alexander of Tallahassee. Of course, you know, being a Tallahassee-based reporter, I've uh, covered his career, you know, from the very beginning. And also Representative Anna Escamani from Orlando. Uh, Look at their public comments. Look at how they craft their arguments. And uh, you see the Florida Democratic Party, at least in the House, evolving, as as we may be witnessing with the Republican Party with the uh, Patronus remark. So, no, not a third party, but the parties that we do have, they do seem to be evolving. And changing. I'm going to read another quote here from uh, Helen Foray, the executive director of the Republican Party of Florida. She says, in 2022, you will see a vigorous defense of the many achievements under Governor DeSantis's leadership over the last three years. The RPOF will not permit the lies and deceit of weak and unaccomplished Democratic candidates. I assume she's talking about the, the governor candidates. Oh, that, that, that's definitely a swipe at Charlie Chris. <laughs> that go unchallenged. Uh, we are prepared for a healthy and rigorous debate on the issues and accomplishments that matter to Floridians. If Democrats are going to be up for the task, they have a lot of catching up to do. True? 
a lot of catching up to do? Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Like, like I said before, I mean, the, uh, the Republican Party of Florida is like a sleek, efficient machine. But uh, here's, here's, here's what's really interesting. Um, two things. Governor DeSantis is a master manipulator of the media. He is very good at controlling his message and at controlling the media. He is excellent at it. Uh, I, I would love to be a college instructor and in teaching a seminar and just putting up one of his news events, one of his news conferences up on the screen for discussion with uh, to, to show how he, he controls the entire situation and controls the message. Now, here's the other thing. Florida is a big state. And Florida has been growing for how long has Florida been growing? All our lifetime. Florida, you know, Florida's population growth is tremendous, right? Mm-hmm. So, so our state budget keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, these lawmakers don't have to do anything, and that budget's just going to keep growing, right? So DeSantis can come out here and say he is spending a record amount of money on education in total dollars. Let's, let's recall, you know, about something like 13, 20 percent of the state budget is going to come from Washington in federal COVID dollars. He can say he's spending a record amount of money on education and on total dollars, it is a record amount. But you go back to 2007 when Charlie Chris was governor and you adjust for inflation, we will be spending $1,128 less per student. So the governor's DeSantis $8,000 recommendation per student funding of public school students is a record amount of money, but in real dollars, it's $1,000 less than what we were spending a decade ago. You know, people have short memories, so you kind of remind okay. them of that, and they, they, that, that won't factor into their decisions at the ballot next November, though, probably. The same thing with the environment. It, apparently, we've poisoned the well. Manatees are starving to death. Algae is killing all the seagrass, and the seed is no longer, can no longer support the manatee population. So how, how reporters cut through that, well, they haven't figured out how to cut through that. We're talking about some of the most important issues that will be coming up before the Florida legislature. We'll be right back on Florida Matters. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. We're talking with James Call, the Capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat and the USA Today Network Florida Capitol Bureau, talking about some of the major issues that will come before the legislature in Tallahassee this upcoming session. Well, James, I uh, mentioned at the top of the show, I'd like to ask you what you think some of the biggest bills, the most far-ranging bills uh, are, we can expect to see in the next several months here. Uh, what's at the top of the list in, in your mind? There's the abortion bill uh, or, or the abortion discussion because that, that's very emotional and gets right to the heart of uh, you know, self-government. So, so not necessarily any particular abortion bill, but the issue itself. Uh, the, the governor is pushing election law. Not that elections are a problem here in Florida, uh, but more so because this is a political issue. This is, this is a base issue. A uh, majority of Republicans believe that the election was stolen. 
and that Democrats present an existential threat to democracy in America, so, so the election law. Uh, there are school board bills, which, which are very quite interesting because, you know, school boards and school board meetings and public education has become a focal point in the culture wars. So, you know, be, be watching that. To the politicians themselves, redistricting is the main issue. I mean, that, that decides, you know, their, their boundaries, their territories, their, their seats, their jobs, their political life. Is, is tied up in redistricting. And we're gonna, looks like we're going to have a new congressional district somewhere in the uh, Interstate 4 corridor as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it will be an undercurrent in other political debates because you know, you're looking to, uh, to build your base and to establish your credentials as either you know, someone representing leftist views or somebody representing rightist views. You know, I, I want to go back to House Democrats and what they're planning and what they're planning is quite interesting, I think, because it is trying to paint Governor DeSantis and the Republican Party as corporate socialists. <laughs> um, the, the argument is that they have set up an economic structure that is rigged to inflate corporate profits at the expense of working class people and small businesses. And they can go back the last three years and point to bills and to tax cuts and to other arrangements that picks winners and losers in the economic marketplace. So this goes to, this may just appeal to the nerds, to political nerds and political scientists, students. There are a lot of us out there. Right. It's, it's going to play out, you know, in January and February here in Tallahassee and, uh, and, and, and right, right there in the Florida House. Well, it's funny you mentioned corporate socialists coming from the Democrats, whereas the Republicans have, acc- have, have accused the Democrats of being socialists, just quote-unquote socialists or even com- communists. There was a, a billboard here in the Tampa Bay area that painted uh, the, our local Tampa Congresswoman Kathy Castor as a communist, quote-unquote. Um, you know, this is, so this, this kind of rhetoric we can probably expect to see ramped up because of the election season heating up mm-hmm. later in the year, right? Right. And, and the thing here, uh, here in the Florida legislature, you can go back to the 2018 session, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, and just point to different bills. The, the Republican majority has made it harder for workers to engage in collective bargaining. You know, they deny health insurance, you know, through the American Affordable Care Act to working people. The unemployment system, you know, broke down during, during the COVID pandemic. The money comes from Washington. They use that money to put it into the unemployment compensation fund so as businesses will not have a tax increase. So the money went to the corporations instead of to out-of-work workers. There are proposals for the upcoming session that will block local wage and sick leave ordinances. You know, the Florida legislature won't act on wage and sick leave uh, ordinance for the statewide. So, you know, Palm Beach, Orlando, and other communities across the state have, have passed these measures. And, um, but there's a bill in the legislature to forbid that, to preempt it to the state. So, you know, most of the legislative agenda is tilt towards capital and the corporations, and not towards the uh, average person. 
Well, it's interesting you mentioned the unemployment compensation. One of the Republicans' arguments was, was that uh, the reason why we had so much worker shortages out there was because of too much, quote-unquote, unemployment compensation. But when that ended, the worker shortage did not end. Uh, people just decided they were sick of their jobs, they wanted to work out of home, whatever myriad number of reasons. So that argument kind of went away, didn't it? Yeah, and 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 because you know, and here and here again, uh, one it, it appears that one of the main reasons was that people were not returning to the workforce because of COVID, because it to take care of family members, uh, quality daycare, childcare, is an issue for working mothers, uh, and the you know the state does not help out with that. I mean, there there's a critical labor shortage in childcare because the wages are so low. Uh, because, you know, I mean, if you're working as in, in a service-related job, you, you can't afford much for child care. And so, you know, but, but the money goes to the corporations and not to the social needs. And that, and, and that is why, you know, the House Democrats are going to try to, to portray the Republican legislature or the Republican Party of Florida as corporate socialists. Do you think that's going to have a lot of traction? I mean, the, the Democrats have always come really close, it seems, uh, in elections, statewide elections, but they, they're always falling short at the last mile. And now the Republicans have drawn even in voter registration. It seems like the momentum is more in the GOP's backcourt there. How much pull do you think uh, the Democrats will have to put a break on some of these more radical ideas that might come from the GOP? I don't know. And that is because the past year has been very surprising to me. We're coming up on the uh, first anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. And you would think that with billions of dollars coming down from Washington, D.C. to Tallahassee and all these unmet needs in Florida, you know, we, we talked about manatees dying. We talk about per-student funding for education being less than what it was a decade ago. We talk about the lack of, of, of child care, but all the money that's coming down from Washington is tilted towards business and not to addressing these social needs. You would think that that would motivate people. Um, maybe they are motivated and they agree with the way things are going. Well, getting to the polls is probably the, the most difficult part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, James, earlier you had mentioned uh, we're going to see some election reform, quote-unquote, bills. Uh, the Governor DeSantis is seeking nearly $6 million for an Office of Election Crimes and Security uh, that would be established within the Department of State. He wants to have 52 officers to investigate election-related crimes. Um, what do you make of that? Do you think that has a chance? No, no, I don't. I, I think maybe something gets passed, but not, not what the governor envisions or what the governor is calling for. You know, you go and you talk to the election supervisors, and uh, I've had the opportunity to, to talk, you know, to, to get to know, like, the, the last three presidents of the Election Supervisors Association of the state of Florida. You know, every, every county has an election supervisor. And, and for the most part, the, these people, they, they, they seem to be dedicated uh, white hat wearers. Uh, you know, they, 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 they believe in democracy. They believe in the right to vote. They believe in, in conducting efficient elections and, and securing that right. And, you know, and, and, 
and and you know we we had the 2000 election debacle and you know we we had a couple other problems along the way but for the most part you you would seem that the last decade or so florida has become a model of election efficiency and um, you know i think that you know among lawmakers they know their their their, their local election supervisors they know their their county election supervisors um you know, I, I think there's some pride there. And I think um, in, the, in the final analysis, um, the election supervisors will have influence on whatever emerges through the process. James, any other issues uh, coming up in Tallahassee you'd like to address? Or, or have we gotten most of them? Um, you know, I think we got most of them. Uh, you know, the, 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 the one thing that, that wasn't mentioned in, you know, we, we have $10 billion coming down from uh, COVID care money from Washington, D.C. And at the same time, we have 22,254 people on the Medicaid waiver list for access to critical care services for the disabled. Uh, Some of these people with developmental issues and, um, you know, cannot... Take, I mean, these are the most vulnerable people among us. Some of them, 40%, have been waiting for more than a decade to get on that Medicaid waiver list. And uh, we're at a point right now with this budget where money is not a problem, and there doesn't seem to be any interest in addressing that issue. Well, money not, might not be a problem, but political rhetoric might be. Especially yeah, political will, especially in an election year, right? So yeah, the, the red know, meat issues are the ones that are going to suck up the oxygen. And and Steve, you know, the the, the other thing to keep in, in in mind is that you know we're 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 a state of immigrants. I mean, the overwhelming majority of us moved here from you know elsewhere, and when you make that cross country move or or cross uh, world move, you know, to a new land, it it takes you some time to to get adjusted. And to get invested in your in in your new home, and to understand you, you know, the issues and the history of the issues, and, and I, I think that's one of the problems that we face as Floridians. Um, you know, most of us are newcomers, and you know we're we're getting acclimated, we're getting adjusted, and we're growing so fast, and we've grown so fast that we have this huge backlog of needs. And coming up with a budget that cuts billions of dollars in taxes and leaves billions of dollars in, in, in revenue for government uh, just out there hanging when, when there's all these social needs um, doesn't seem to be an issue. Well, thank you for addressing some of the issues that probably will be addressed. We appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, James Call is the Capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat and is with the USA Today Network Florida Capitol Bureau. James, thank you for your insight, and thank you for being our guest on Florida Matters. Thank you, sir. And that's it for today's show. We'd like to thank James Call, the Capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat. Our producer is Denora Prevost, and our engineer is Blake Bass. Thank you all for listening to Florida Matters, and we wish you a happy new year. We'll catch you next week. 